Welcome to this week's podcast from Free Chapel in Orange County. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information, check out our website at freechapel.org. You brought their Bible with them. If you've got your Bible, wave it at me right now. If it's on your phone, wave your phone at me. If it's on an iPad, wave an iPad. Let's turn to Genesis, Genesis chapter 3. Genesis chapter 3. If you haven't been with us in the last uh, few weeks, we, last week we, we finished a little series um, that we call Building Better. How many have been building a little bit better after we looked at that as a church? And, and what we talked about is we talked about the importance of the church, that being the people of God, building our life in the right way. That is building our life upon a sure, certain foundation, building our life according to the plans that God has given us in His Word. And last week, as I alluded to just before, we talked about the creative nature of God to take our burnt stones and dry bones, the broken areas of our life, and God will build with that as well. But I do feel such an urgency as I've been sharing in the last few weeks, and again, I feel it on this same message and as we, we potentially step into maybe what will become a new series. Um, such an urgency right now for the people of God to be strong, stable and secure. That's what I really feel on my heart and in my spirit, especially in shaky times, especially in, in, in times where the division that we see in our society, not even just our society here in the United States, but all across the world is so divided, so much hate, so much confusion. I think right now is the time for the people of God to be more stable and more secure than ever before. Because how many of us know everything that we need answered right now in society? I want to tell you, it's not going to come through a politician. It's not going to come through a protest. It's not going to come through activists. And all of those things can be great at times. But I believe the level of the divide that we are in right now as a society can only be healed through Jesus Christ. And I want to remind the church and remind the people of God that the avenue that God uses to move and outwork His purpose on the earth are His people. So we play a role in the work that God wants to do. That's why it's so strategic. That's why it's so important that we build right. But it's also important that we are positioned correctly because God wants to do something mighty through your life. You may feel like you don't have influence. You may feel like you're insignificant, that all of this stuff that's going on in this world, how could you possibly affect change? You have to understand that God has strategically called you and positioned you. I'm not in your workplace tomorrow, but you are. And if you would take your rightful position in that, work, in that workplace tomorrow, God's purpose can move in and through your life and you will take that ground tomorrow for the glory and for the kingdom of God. 
so I feel this, this, this stirring in me. And so we talked about building and building is so important in our lives. Because what really we're talking about when we're talking about building is we're talking about positioning ourselves in the right place. That's what the enemy wants to do is he wants to get you out of position. He wants to get you separated. That's what sin actually means. Sin means separation between us and God. So God doesn't, God's not after your, the enemy's not after your finances. It's not like the enemy's in hell trying to get a bill paid and he wants your money. He's not after your finances. He wants you separated. He wants your faith. But so why does he come after your finances? Because what happens is in modern day Western culture, too many of us, we put our faith in our finances. And whatever you put your faith in other than God becomes a target for the enemy. Because the enemy knows that if you put your faith in your finances and then the enemy attacks your finances, he just got your faith and separated you from God. That's why the enemy, he's not after your marriage. He's not after your family. He's got enough to deal with down in hell. What he wants is he wants your faith in an attempt to separate you from God and get you out of the position that God has called you to be in. I'm, stay with me because I'm setting this up to where I want it to go. Position is so important because my position determines my perspective. Where I'm positioned actually determines what I see. One position, I can have one perspective. If I change positions, I have another perspective. So my position is important because my position sets me up for a perspective and my perspective sets me up for my purpose. Position, perspective and purpose. You won't fulfill the purpose of God until you can grasp the perspective of heaven. Because everything that God has called us to do seems impossible. If it doesn't seem impossible, it's not God. So God has given you a heavenly purpose upon your life, but it will only ever be truly seen and identified by you if you have the right perspective. So I wanna look at this story if we understand now a little bit about the importance of my position, the importance of my perspective and the importance of my purpose. Let's look at a story in Scripture where two people had a purpose on their life that was, you could say, arguably one of the greatest, if not the greatest purpose on their life of any people all throughout the Bible. But they missed their purpose because they got out of position and it's the story of Adam and Eve. Look at this in Genesis chapter 3. Genesis chapter 3, and I'm going to read it real quickly. Now the serpent was more cunning than any of the beasts in the field the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, has, he said to the woman, has God indeed said, you shall not eat of every tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God said, you shall not eat it, nor touch it, because you're going to die. Verse four, then the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die. For God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be open and you're gonna be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw, I want you to underline or circle that word saw. 
When the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eye and the tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. She also gave to her husband and he ate. The eyes of both of them were open. They realised they were naked. They sewed fiddle leaves together, made coverings for themselves. Verse 8, they heard the sound of God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Then the Lord God called to Adam and he asked him and he said to him, where are you? This story is so, we know, we know the significance of this story. We're familiar with it. But what I want you to see in light of what we just used as a little introduction, the importance of my position, my perspective and my purpose, you can see all three of these things at work in this story. The end result, the last few words that we read on that page was God said to Adam, where are you? In other words, Adam, you're out of position. Adam, Adam and Eve, where are you right now? I wanna use you and I wanna do something through you and something with you, but you're out of position. I want you to understand the importance of your position and your perspective in God. And so what we're gonna look at real quickly is we're gonna look at how did, how did the enemy, what I cannot understand, I've looked at this story so many times before Adam and Eve, Adam and Eve were in the garden. They were talking with God. They were kicking it with God. I don't know about you, but I feel like if I was with God in the flesh, I don't think I would screw up. Do you? I feel like I'll be, I feel like, listen, I feel like for myself, I'm not trying to build. I think you might feel the same way. I feel like if I was rolling with God right beside me, I feel like I would stay on track. Wouldn't you? Maybe I just feel good about myself this morning. You know, I just feel like if I was with God, I feel like, I mean, I'm not going to blow it. Because I'm with God. So doesn't that cause you to look at this story in another light and see, wow, what is happening in this story? What strategy is the enemy using in this story to cause Adam and Eve to separate from the God who created them and was standing with them in, in the flesh, in the garden? What did the enemy do that caused this separation? Let's look at it real quickly. What the enemy did was the enemy comes to Eve. And I want to show you something first. Prior to the story that we just read, prior to the verses, I'm sorry, that we just read, the Bible says that God spoke to Adam. He spoke to Adam. Eve had not been created yet. So God spoke to Adam and He said to Adam, listen, bro, these, all of these trees and everything's cool and you can enjoy it and you can roll and it's gonna be amazing. But I don't want you to touch this one particular tree. And Adam is like, cool, I got it. Then God goes ahead and God creates Eve. Adam tells Eve what God had said. Notice, who does the serpent approach? He doesn't approach Adam. The serpent approaches Eve. Let me tell you this one point. First point I want, I want you to write down. A revelation 
that you have only heard will never hold up against a revelation that you have had. I want to say it again. A revelation that you have only just heard will not hold up ever against a revelation that you have had for yourself. Remember the first sermon we preached? Taste and see that God is good. The word taste means to discover by experience. Why are too many Christians taken out by the enemy so quickly? Because too many of us are living our life of revelations that we've heard about and not had ourselves. If we have a revelation ourselves, it creates for us a solid foundation that you can stand on. When the devil comes and said, did God really say? You can stop him in his tracks and say, yes, he did. I heard him be gone. But we don't. To many of us, we are trying to live our life of revelations that we've heard about. The fact that we heard our mum talk about how good God was, but we never really experienced it for ourselves. I'm not trying to belittle how powerful it is to grow up in a Christian home, but I am telling you this, your parents cannot get you to heaven. Your grandmother cannot get you to heaven. There has to come a point at which we grow up in the Spirit and become mature Christians and say, no longer am I gonna live off secondhand revelation that I've heard other people talk about. I'm gonna seek God for myself, read the Word myself, get it in the Spirit myself, and that will weaponize me so that I can stand against the enemy. We have to do it so that so Satan capitalises. He capitalises on secondhand revelation. He capitalises on something that she hasn't had, a revelation she hasn't had herself, a revelation that she just heard about from her husband. And so the enemy comes to her. And the enemy comes to her with what? He comes to her with a lie. He comes to her with a lie. And it's a clever lie. If you look at these verses, we don't have, you know, we'll look at it as quick as we can, as best we can. But if you read over these verses and the way the enemy talks to Eve, you'll see the power of this lie is that this lie is layered. It's, it's so layered. So he comes to her and he starts to have this conversation with her. And look at what he says. He says, did God, is God, did God really say? Did God really say that you're not supposed to eat of the tree? So that one question, that one question is so layered, causing her to question what God said, causing her to question if God, listen to the tone of it. You got to hear the tone. You got to hear the tone. That he says to her, almost as if to say, who does God think he is? This is how he works. But what I want you to see about this story is it's all wrapped up. The power of this story is all actually wrapped up in the one word that I got you to highlight when we first read it. And if you blink, you'll miss it because it seems like the most insignificant word of all of these words that the enemy says and all of these words in these Scriptures of this story that we read about. But I think the most powerful word is in verse 6 when it says, so when the woman saw. So you think, well, man, what's so powerful about that? I want you to see that's the moment where everything shifts. 
that's the moment where everything shifts. You have Eve who is rolling with God. She's rolling with Adam. She's living in the fullness of her purpose. Everything's amazing. The devil comes and lies to Eve. Eve listens to the lie. She believes it. The moment you believe it, you then receive it. She gets the lie. And this verse is so powerful. Watch what happens when Eve believes the lie. The verse six says, now she saw. This was not the first time she had seen this tree. She had seen that tree before. She had a kingdom perspective of that tree. God had shown it to the member and God said to Adam, listen, this tree's here. I don't want you to eat it. That's all Eve knew. Eve had a kingdom perspective of this tree. But then one lie from the enemy, watch what happens. It positions her incorrectly and therefore changes her perspective. Verse six, the lie came from the enemy, verse six, then Eve saw. Saw what? Saw that the tree was good for food and desirable to eat. See how her whole perspective of this tree has changed. And I know I'm labouring on this, but I'm setting this up because I want you to see how important this is. And I want you to, I want to expose a strategy of the enemy that I think is operating in too many people of God, too many lives of the people of God, especially right now. And it's shifting our perspective of what God has called us to do and who God has called us to be. So the devil comes and the devil lies at her and the devil says this one lie that's so layered and all of a sudden because of the lie, it changes. Think about the power of this one lie. It changes the way she sees things. Because when the enemy lies to you, it's not just a lie that you hear, it becomes a lens that you look through. Listen to me. This is where the enemy is getting too many people. He is lying and through the lie, he creates a lens. Now what he has just done, it is it's so clever. This joker is so clever. He hasn't just told you one lie. Now, because that lie has become a lens, the lie has multiplied. And every time you look at something, you don't look at it for what it is from a kingdom perspective. Now you're looking at it through a lie. And it changes what you see. Perspective is not what you see, it's the way that you see it. And now you're seeing things not through the eyes of kingdom and through the eyes of your Saviour. You're seeing things through the eyes of a lie. So my question to you is what is the devil telling you that you're believing? And because you're believing, you are actually receiving. The two things in these verse real quickly. The two things, and I went over it and over it and over it and I was trying to break it down. 
If you look at these verses and you read over them, you'll see there's a reoccurring, there's some reoccurring words. There's two particular words that I think identify, identify a strategy of the enemy. And I'm gonna show you the same strategy the enemy used to try and bring down the first Adam is the same strategy the enemy used to try and bring down the second Adam, which was Jesus Christ when Jesus was tempted in the desert. And it's this, look at this. The first thing he says, has God indeed said that you shall not eat of every tree in the garden. Skip down to verse five. For God knows that on the day you eat of it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. We don't have time, so I wanna just fast forward it for you. The two things that the enemy is after is your perception of who God is and your perception of who you are. The two things. Fast track, we don't have time. But when Jesus was in the desert, what happened? Jesus was the second Adam. The enemy's so dumb, he can't even change his strategy. He comes to Jesus and uses the same thing. Comes to him and what does he say to Jesus? The very first thing he says to him, he says, if you are the son of who? God, why don't you just change this deal up, bro? Why don't you just make stones bread? What's he attacking right there? Again, the same thing. He's attacking his understanding and his perspective of who he is. Then trying to understand, trying to attack his perception of who his God is. This is so powerful because if you can get a warped perspective of who God is and also a warped perspective of who you are, it'll screw up your entire life. I promise you, the enemy, if the enemy can get you to give in to two lies, right there, you're done. You are done. And that will become the lens that right there is enough that you will look through. Two lies, one regarding who God is and the other regarding who you are. That's what he's trying to do. That's what he's trying to do. That's where it's all. If you want to boil it down to every single thing that you're facing, every single thing the enemy's trying to do, every single thing, you can boil it down to those two lies. The lie about who your God is and the lie about who you are. And remember, if I believe it, I receive it. The same in the kingdom of God, it's the same in the kingdom of darkness. Whatever you believe, you'll receive. So you believe the lie, you empower the liar. Now the enemy has access to your life and you're fighting battles that you don't know how to fight and you're under attack that you never thought was even possible. And it's simply because you believe the lie and empowered the liar in your life. And so this is what we do. I've got these little things made up right here. Right here. I'm visual, you know, in case you haven't worked it out. Uh, who I am. Lens one. Get that on the screen. Who he is, lens to. And this is what happens. This is this right here is what the enemy's trying to do. These are two perspectives. Listen to me. This right here is two perspectives that will change your life for the better or the worse. Right here. So what the enemy does is the enemy comes and this is what he does. 
He gets out. See, I use black because he's just a punk and he's dark. We're going to use red for Jesus. This is what he does, who he is. What does the enemy tell you about your God? I know the churchy answer. He is my provider. Really, why are you broke then? I'm not trying to be crude. I'm not trying to be insensitive. I'm just trying to expose the enemy because you all sit here and be like, well, I mean, I don't like you saying that to me, but that's what you believe tomorrow. Listen to me. Do you know what we're gonna do today? Listen, I felt that and it hit my spirit. I nearly did a freaking lap around my office. I got so excited. We are going to disarm the enemy. All right, listen. If we off, off, listen, we are going to, I can't listen. He's still gonna come at you, right? He's gonna come at you tomorrow, but we're gonna disarm what He's gonna come at you with because we're getting the jump on this joker today. Today, the same thing He did to the first Adam is the same thing He did to the second Adam and you better believe He's doing the same thing to you. So you ready? Let's shut this joker down. What He says about who God is. Let me, let me get some down. God is distant. You heard that before? Don't, don't agree out loud. People know how, how much faith you don't have, you know? God is distant. What about God doesn't care? Because if God cared, why wouldn't He answer what you prayed last week? God doesn't care. Doesn't care. Okay, what else? What about He just doesn't answer prayer? Remember that? Remember when you prayed and didn't happen? Feels bad to talk like this in church, doesn't it? It didn't happen, God. I've been there. I prayed for my best friend, died in front of me. 16 days, I prayed for him, come out of a coma. He died in front of me. I prayed, I spoke the word, I had faith. You know what the enemy said to me? God's not good. If God's good, why didn't he get healed? And everyone shouts and we get excited about, I preached three weeks ago about God is good. Remember the goodness of God? You know where I got that revelation? Standing in a hospital holding a dead, lifeless body of my best friend and the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, I'm good. And it hit my spirit because I was in the middle of a situation that was trying to tell me otherwise. Remember? But our situations won't hold up that revelation. What else? What else about God? What else about God? Um, He doesn't supply. If He supplies... We'd have these bills paid, Ben. Doesn't. Supply, he's distant, he's angry. Man, this joke is angry, big, bad, angry God. Have you not read the Old Testament? Bro, dude can throw down. Angry. What about this one? Inconsistent. Inconsistent. This is training your faith, isn't it? You came, you came so ready to hear a word. Now, <laughs> Now you're like, I mean, dear Lord, inconsistent. I'm just telling you what the enemy will tell you tomorrow. Because if he was consistent, Ben, you tell me he's the same yesterday, today and forever. Why did that person get healed and this one didn't? Inconsistent. Okay. You get the point. What about what he's telling you about who you are? All right, let's let's do this. Who am I? Let's write this one. What about this? I'm not enough. Let's get, I'll get vulnerable. I can't preach. Can't preach. 
How vulnerable do you want me to get? Not at me if you want to really hear the demons that's going on in your pastor's mind. What about this one? You're, because if I want you to be vulnerable, I've got to be vulnerable. You're not Jensen Franklin. You can't play the sax. I'm not making light of it, but you know it's real. You, you said, listen, many of you were not here when we first got here six years ago and I got up to preach and people got up and walked out because it wasn't Jensen. And you're up there trying to get a word ready. You think the enemy talks to you? What about this one? You are your past. Don't make too much noise or someone will know that you have a past. You are your mistake. That will never leave you. That'll never leave you. I mean, this thing's a mess up here. I can't even. That'll never leave you. You're just, some of you have heard this and stuck with you. You are just like your father. You're addicted. What do they tell us? Once a, what is it? Once an alcoholic, always an alcoholic. You're addicted, bro. I mean, you're pretty much screwed. Okay. We've got some stuff down here. And this is what you're doing. Do you see this? Look at this. Notice this. It actually doesn't matter what I look at. I just see the same crap. It doesn't matter how good the situation or how bad. I constantly feel like I'm not enough. You ever been in that place before? It makes sense. If if you're not doing much with your life and the enemy says you're not enough, but then when you start to, that's when you know it's a lie. You start, you're doing good and the enemy's still telling you because that's all you can see. And you got free from your past. You felt like you got free from the past and you got your sins cleaned. Yes, you slept with Him. Yes, you messed it up. Yes, you had the abortion. Yes, you went through the hurt. Yes, you went through the pain. But now because you've received the lie, the lie has become the lens that you're looking through. Now you're looking at everything filtered through your past. And and, and because of, of the guilt and the shame from your past. Watch what, I wish we had time. Watch what happened in the garden. It did not just change how she saw the tree because the next verses said, we looked at each other. She saw Adam before, before the shift in perspective. She saw Adam and this joker was the man. Then she put this on and which says, we felt ashamed. 
changed the way she saw Adam. It changed the way she saw herself because the Bible says she had to run and hide, cover themselves with fig leaves. It changed the way they saw God because before they saw God as the one that would love them, the one that would cover them, the one that would walk with them. But when they screwed up and they gave in to the lie that became their lens, they saw God as one that was gonna condemn and bring guilt and shame so they ran and hid. And you're going through stuff and you've experienced stuff in your life and in your past and you're using that, the lie of your past as the lens of your future. And some of you are looking at your life and you're wondering, why am I in another abusive relationship again where I'm taken for granted again? Let me ask you a better question. A better question to ask is, why do I keep dating morons? Because you don't see yourself as worthy of better. So a moron through the lens of a lie, you'll look good. But the lie was created because of the mistakes of your past and the view you now have of yourself through the lens of a lie, you see yourself as not worthy. Let me tell you, God is so good. He is so good. Listen to me. I wanna tell you something and don't forget this. The enemy never just tells you a lie. He always sells you a lie. Listen to that. He won't just tell you a lie. He will sell you a lie. What's the difference between something that's told and something that's sold? When it's sold, it costs you something. Do you know what every lie of the enemy cost you? The truth. The truth. That's why the Word says that you shall know the truth and the truth will set you free. So what? Listen to me. I feel like I could run around this freaking parking lot. Listen to me. What does the truth set you free from? The lie. That's, that's, that's what it does. The truth, listen to me, listen to me. The truth, because we've heard that verse so many times. You shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. And we've heard it on movies and we quote it, we shout and it's amazing. But I don't think many of us actually realise what it means. I'm bound. I'm bound to the lie. And I'm walking around and I'm trying my best and I'm trying to pray and I'm trying to praise and I'm going to church and I'm reading my Bible and I'm doing everything that I'm supposed to do. But all I can see is the lie because I'm bound to the lie. How do I get free from the lie? It's the truth. So Isaiah said this. Isaiah where is 43 and verse 2. It says that He wipes... He wipes my sins away. And you know what He does? Is He replaces it with truth. And He writes where the enemy said that, that God is inconsistent, 
He writes over it. Man, I know at times it feels like that. But trust my word. When it says that I'm the same yesterday, today and forever. Trust me, Ben, it takes faith. I know it hurts, Ben. And I know you're seeing things right now in front of you that don't make sense. But trust me, trust me. That's where faith comes in. Faith comes in, Ben. If you stick with it, I'm faithful. He writes down that He is good. He's not angry. He's a good God. He's a loving God. He's a faithful God that He'll never leave you, nor will He forsake you. And I know that in the moment right now, you feel like He has forsaken you. But if you keep walking and you're gonna eventually look back on this time right now and the times when you thought that He had forsaken you, you look back and you see that He was always with you. He was just working things differently to how you thought He was gonna work them. And then He writes over you. And He says, I'm so proud of you. And He says, you're crushing it. Sometimes I, uh, sometimes I just, sometimes I feel like God just talks to me how I talk, you know. You're gonna make it. Sometimes that'll keep you going, you know. You're gonna make it. He says, you're fearfully and wonderfully made. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. You deserve the best. You're amazing. You're called. You're chosen. You're anointed. My hand's upon your life. I'm working all things for the good. No weapon formed against you will prosper. In fact, when the enemy comes at you one way, he's gonna flee from you seven ways. I got you. You don't have to fight this battle because I'm fighting it for you. And if you're in a battle right now that you feel like he's gonna beat you, you need to be reminded by the Word of God that if I let you walk into it, I'm gonna bring you through it and I'm your God who will cover you. Listen. If you believe it, you'll receive it. Now, doesn't matter where I go. I mean, I cannot even see through this thing. And that's the point. You put me in a good situation, I can see a good God. You take me down to the very back end of hell itself and I will still look the devil in the face and say that my God is good. I know you're there, devil, but I can't see you. All I can see is the goodness of God in the land of the living and He's with me and He's for me and I'm gonna make it in Jesus' Name. Listen, I'm gonna close. What you're facing is not what's beating you. It's the perspective that you have. It's the way you see it. It's not, God, eliminate my problems, but it's God, elevate my perspective. What? What are you believing? What are you receiving? What are you looking through that's holding you back? Right across where we are, I want every person to stand. Thank you, Lord.
People in this room, I want you to close your eyes, every person. There's people here this morning. You don't know Jesus. You don't know Jesus. You don't know what it's like to live free. Not live perfect. None of us are doing that. But to live free from being bound to the lie. You've been looking at things through the wrong lens. Maybe you're one of like one of those people that I addressed early on saying, oh, man, I don't really, I'm not a believer. I don't, I don't go to these type of gigs. I'm not. But you feel the Holy Spirit. You feel something speak into your heart. Maybe you've come before. Maybe you've heard sermons before, but you, but you know you, you, you're looking through the wrong lens. I want to pray for you. I want you to do something. I want you right now on the count of three, I want you to raise one hand straight up in the air so I can see it because I want to pray. One, two, three. Raise it up. You know what you're doing in raising it up. I want you to picture this. I want you to picture yourself taking off these glasses and receiving a new set. Prescribed to you from your God in heaven. Because the devil has been lying to you for too long. And right now in Jesus Christ's name, Lord, you see every single hand that is raised. You know the situations that those hands represent. You know the lies that they've been giving into. You know the battles, Lord God, that they've been facing with a wrong perspective. God, as you would tell us in your word in Isaiah, I pray that you would wipe the lens clean and give us a new point of view, a new way in which we view everything from a position of victory. And I declare it right now in Jesus Christ's name. Lord God, I pray that we would be enlightened to recognise the lie and disarm the enemy in Jesus Christ's name. Listen, we're going to close. It's a, it's a systematic approach to recognising Disarming the enemy. Some of us, are, we're running around in circles. We don't know what we're doing. We're trying. you got to get laser focused. The same way two things, the enemy uses two things to hold you back. Revelation of those two things will move you forward. You tell me the lie. You tell me what the enemy has tried to tell you. I don't care what it is. I promise you, I can disarm it with these two things. Doesn't matter what it is. Doesn't matter how crazy, screwed up you might feel your life is or how crazy the thoughts might be. I can disarm those thoughts with two things, knowing who your God is and knowing who you are. Any lie, doesn't matter, doesn't matter. You're never gonna have enough money. You'll never be blessed. You'll never get free. You'll always be bound. You'll never get married. You're always gonna have a screwed up marriage. You're gonna get a divorce. Your kids hate you. Life sucks. Tomorrow's gonna be bad. There's no purpose. There's no, you tell me the lie and I will disarm it with either one of those two things. If you know who you are and you know who your God is, you disarm every lie of the enemy. 
Because you know what? That's all the devil has. That's why it was the first thing that he used with the first Adam and it was the first thing that he used with the second Adam because that joker only has two bullets in the chamber to attack who your God is and attack who you are. But we're gonna disarm it. You believe that? Come on, give God praise right now. Lord God, I thank You. I thank You for Your purpose. I thank You for Your protection. I thank You for Your Word. God, I thank You that Your Word went out and it will do what it's set out to do. I speak victory. I speak life over every single person in Jesus Christ's Name. Thank You for listening to this week's podcast. We hope you were blessed. 